Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Today, I want to talk to you about addition by subtraction. It's the title of my message today, Addition by Subtraction. Uh, one of the key verses that we looked at last week, Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2 says this in verse 2, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets. The New King James reads, Write the vision. Write the vision. Write my answer. God always answers with vision. You think God answers with answers. He doesn't. He answers with vision. And the vision brings the answer. Come on. You ask God for a table and he gives you a tree. Now you have to turn the tree into the table. And everybody wants God to just hand over a table. He says, no, 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 I've given you all the resources. I've given you everything you need to make that table. Now it's gonna require you and your involvement and your participation to take the resources I put in your hands and now mold it and shape it and move it, create it into what you're believing for. So God answers with vision. Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. Everyone say future time. It is for a future time. It describes the end. And it will be, everyone say will be, it will be fulfilled if it seems slow in coming. Wait patiently. It will surely take place. It will not be delayed. I want to talk about that portion of the verse. We've got the right, the vision make it plain, people can run with it. Now where we see people usually get hung up on is in the, if it seems delayed, if it seems slow in coming, if it seems like it's taking a while. Remember, it's for a future time. It's a description of the end. It's describing to you, it's giving you an image of what it would look like if all this was working, if all this was put together. I heard one person uh, say one time, when you get a vision, it's a picture of what the world would look like if you were fulfilling what you were called to do. That's what that vision is. You are answering something. You are being a solution to something. But where I find a lot of people get hung up, I see a lot of people with dreams and goals and visions and ideas and imaginations of, of things. You've probably had many that you uh, have been given in the past, maybe sitting on now. And where I see people get hung up in is the if it seems slow in coming. And what happens over time is the delay, or what seems like a delay, the delay decreases my clarity of vision. Now, we're talking about clarity of vision. We said last week that you have to be able to see it clear, and not just see it, but see it clearly, distinctly, that you know all the integral parts. How do I get that clarity? And many of us start out with great clarity, and then we start backing off because, well, I thought it would happen by now, or I thought I would have this. Or you start seeing, many times, your inadequacies, your deficiencies, 
Because God calls a man that is 75 years old with no children to be a great nation and the father of, of a great nation. And you might start off with excitement. It's like, yes, this is it. And then you're like, wait a minute, I can't do that. I'm not the right person. I don't have this and I don't have that. There's nothing like stepping out in the plan of God and the will of God, getting out of the boat into the middle of the lake and you start realizing everything you don't have rather than the one thing you do have. And we start becoming super familiar with our deficiencies. We know we are well-versed in what I cannot do. And the enemy will send all kinds of supporters to remind you, who do you think you are? Are you sure God called you to this? You're, you, what, what gave you that idea? Oh, there's, a, there's a, a plethora of people that the enemy will start sending along your way to highlight the insufficiencies and the inadequacies. And then vision's just like, it's getting blurry and blurry and blurry and smaller and smaller and smaller before so much darkness fills in on that thing. You can't, you, you forgot the vision that he even gave you. It's the time issue. It's the opposition issue. It's the resistance issue. And this is what I've learned about vision, especially vision from God. No vision ever goes without meeting resistance. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Addition by subtraction. Because unless we get a proper perspective of the resistance, the opposition, We'll lose sight of the opportunities. We'll lose sight of what God has called us to do. We'll lose sight that we have been given a great vision to accomplish a great assignment and that God's the one that gave us the vision. I didn't just make this up. I didn't drum this up. This wasn't a man-made idea. I'm submitted to God and his word and his plan. And now I keep bumping up against this resistance. And where I'm seeing people fail today in 2023 is we don't have the tenacity. We don't have the drive. We don't have the pursuit. We don't have the endurance to push past the resistance and say, no, I'm sticking with it. No, this is coming to pass. No, I'll see it fulfilled. Even if it seems like it's delayed, I will wait patiently. I will keep pressing in. I will fix the stuff I can and I'll trust where I can and I will see the vision come to pass in my life. But we're not seeing that in today's day and age for a lot of reasons, both spiritual and natural. We don't have the doggedness. We don't have the, uh, I'm, 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 being coming, I'm becoming resolute in this thing. I'm seeing this come to pass. And every naysayer and every doubter and every opposition and every time the bank says no and every time we try to have kids and we can't, we just get stuck and we, I'm pressing into this thing. He says, even if it seems like it's delayed. And that's the vision from God. And we think it might be vision's fault or we might think it'd be God's fault or you called the wrong person or, 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 or that maybe this isn't supposed to work or nobody's gonna believe it. We start coming up with all kinds of reasons to justify why it won't work. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? We gotta press through this thing. If we're gonna unlock vision, if we're gonna see it come to pass in our lives. I was working through this with my wife actually in the, in the office just earlier 
and she had a great word. She said, if you have a vision that is never met with resistance, you don't have a vision, you have an illusion. Thought that was good. Hey, better than chat GPT. (laughs) If you have a vision that is never met with resistance, I'm telling you right now, if you can pay for it, it's not from God. If the people are already in your life, not from God. If it's doable on natural means alone, God has a way of calling you into places where you have to trust him. God has a way of calling you out of places like you're too comfortable in that boat. You're gonna have to come out here on the water with me. You're too comfortable in that city. You're too comfortable in that element. Comfort is, you are one step away from complacency. Comfort doesn't breed anything beneficial in your life. Some of y'all just got comfortable and you're like, come on, Pastor Mark, really? I just just got used to the new, I I just got into this. And God's saying, I'm drawing you out further. I'm bringing you out deeper. Because there's more I want to do. I'm not done with you yet. I haven't reached a plateau. We're not settling in. We're preparing for the next stage. And he'll bring you to those levels like, okay, but it's only to rest up for the next one. If you're sitting around that, that, that level three when he brought you out of level two and you're like, man, thank God, you better get ready for level four. It's coming. It's coming. And new levels, new devils is what we like to say. There's new resistance. There's new opposition. The enemy's like, okay, I couldn't stop you at level two. I'll get you at level three. And anytime opposition comes, let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. When opposition comes, it's not trying to stop you. It's to stop the vision. It's to stop the purpose for which you are contending. Don't take it personal. It has nothing to do with you. When those people left you, it wasn't nothing personal. When they said no to you, it wasn't nothing personal. There's a vision that the enemy's after, and he's like, if I can just dilute that, if I can just disrupt that vision, if I can get in there and I can get them just a little bit discouraged, they won't fulfill the plan of God. Because your vision, if it's a solution to a problem, ought to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. You are the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness. It's not Jesus. He's already whipped him. It's not God. He's he's been up above that thing all along. Never even stood a chance. You ought to be the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness. You should be pushing back darkness and your vision's doing that. Your vision for your life, remember, is, is bigger than just you. It's solving a problem and it's helping somebody else. There's a community, there's a group, there's a school, there, there's, there's a business, there's an environment, there's a sphere of influence that needs you in it, making change for the kingdom of God and being an influence for the greater good. So you are a threat. So the enemy's like, well, if I can blur their vision, they won't fulfill it. If I can make it unclear, if I can get them unsettled, And so the vision's always met with this opposition. Vision's always met with this resistance. Vision always shows, and we gotta learn how to push past these things. In Luke chapter nine, we're gonna build a case here. In Luke chapter nine, in verse 57, 
As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 58, but Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus is having opportunities here to get followers alongside his mission and his ministry. He's got, an, he's got people that are interested saying, I'll come follow you, or ones that he said, you come follow me. We know that he went to his disciples and he approached them and he said, hey, you come follow me. I will make you fishers of men, right? And they left everything. But in the individuals that were a little conflicted, in joining this ministry and getting, uh, coming alongside this mission, those that were conflicted or were a little back and forth, he made it very clear. He, he did not try to sugarcoat it. Today, we are so incentivized as a culture that if there's not something in it for us, we won't, we won't commit. We won't sign the deal. We won't take the step. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? The rich young ruler is in the same category. I'll follow you. I'll follow you as long as what? I get eternal life. What must I do to inherit? And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 you got this thing backwards, man. Coming and following me and being a part of this mission is not about what you will get. It's about what you will give. And these 12 back here, they have given and will give ultimately their lives for this mission. And if you're coming in for what's in it for me, what do I get out of it? Jesus never led with blessing, with here's what you're going to get. He led with you're going to meet some opposition, and it's going to be pretty heavy. I don't even have a head. I don't even have a, a, a place to lay my head. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. If you can't take on some turmoil, if you can't handle some tribulation in your life, if you can't handle people saying no to you, if you can't handle uh, some disruption in your life, then, then you're not cut out for this. He goes on in chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 continues on in verse one. The Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. And these were his instructions. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as what? Lambs among wolves. How's that for an introduction? How's that for a company orientation? How's that? Welcome to the company. I'm sending you as a lamb into wolf territory and they're going to want to eat you alive. And he goes on, and he says, man, if they say no to you, shake the dust off your feet, go on to the next town. 
but he's laying out for them discipleship and coming alongside this ministry and ultimately this vision of the church. It's going to be met with resistance. Don't think everybody's going to open their doors and say, oh, come on in, please share Jesus with me. I was just waiting for you to come on by. You're exactly what I was believing for. No, he's saying, you're going to meet some resistance. Not, for, not just from people, from the enemy. In Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16 in verse 19, remember this is the conversation that he has with his disciples. He says, who do men say that I am? Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. You know, that whole conversation. Who do you say that I am? Peter responds, I believe you are Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. And I will, uh, uh, and upon this rock, I will build my church. In verse 19, verse 19, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's the vision. The vision solving something. The vision calling out potential. The vision helping someone else. This is the vision. And then he goes on. In verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now that sounds like what? Resistance. Sounds like opposition. He just communicated the vision, and he says, let me tell you how we're going to get this vision to come to pass. I'm going to be offered up. Later on, he says, you be prepared to do the same. Take up your cross. Come follow me. Be willing to lay down your life. He's not sugarcoating it. You know, this is not Shark Tank. And I'm trying to show you what kind of cut you're going to get from this thing. If you invest, if you get in right now, get in on the ground floor. You get first 10% cut. This, this, uh, the, the incentive is your reward is in heaven. The incentive is you'll be named alongside those. The, the incentive is an eternal reward. But here on earth, you're going to lay down your life for this cause. He's letting them know, I've got a vision, and to join this vision, come alongside this vision, it's going to be met with some opposition. There's people that are after our very lives for the sake of this call. We know Peter rises up, and he he disrupts that whole thing, and, you know, I'll make sure this never happens. But if you skip on down to verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, it's interesting. It's almost as if Jesus is trying to talk them out of it. Don't come in this thing unless you're sure. Don't buy into this unless you are all the way in. It's going to require all of you. Because there's resistance. There's opposition. It's coming. 
There's one that doesn't want this movement to take place. There's one that doesn't want this church to be built. There's one that doesn't want the kingdom to be advanced. There's one that is gonna come pressing and opposing and resisting every move you make and they're gonna come around every corner. They're gonna come from behind you, in front of you, the left and to the right. They're gonna come from everywhere and I'm with you. Trust that I'm with you. But trials and tribulations, they will come for the sake of the word. So it's almost as if he's letting them know, hey, you better be sure, better know that you know that this is what you want to do. In Acts chapter 2, now we're going to go on a journey. Because I want to show you how this works. Because I want to see you fulfill vision. And I'm tired of watching you get stumped and stumble and back down. And well, that must not have been for me. I want to show you today that you better get comfortable with discomfort. If you want to live with vision and walk out vision, you better get comfortable with discomfort. Get comfortable with the resistance and the opposition. Welcome it. Expect it. Not with a negative attitude like, they're just going to fail me again. But knowing that that's not the thing that's going to stop you and stall you and keep you from advancing and doing what God's called you to do. In Acts chapter 2, we know, uh, obviously, this is after Jesus has uh, risen and ascended to heaven. Acts chapter 2, the beginning of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. Jesus told them to go and wait for the promise of the Father. And when he comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. That's going to be very important here in a little bit. Now, in verse 40, Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, it says, With many other words, he, that's Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added. Everyone say added. Were added to them. Look what it says in verse 42. And they continually steadfast, uh, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Verse 43 says, then fear came upon every soul. Everyone say fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now that's great, isn't it? That's the advancement of the church. 3,000 people added in one day. They are all continuing in the act of fellowship and discipleship. They are communing together, coming together, fellowshipping together. And then on top of that, they're keeping themselves steadfast in the apostles' teaching. That's discipleship, following after their teachings, learning about Jesus, learning to become a greater witness, learning to become empowered by the Holy Spirit. It says, fear came upon every soul and many signs and wonders, many wonders and signs were done. Uh, It goes down in verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Just a little side note, they were still corporately meeting together. In fact, they were meeting together daily, it says. 
So everyone that wants to do, run the home church deal, they were all meeting in homes. They were meeting corporately in one accord in a temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, everyone say added, to the church daily, those who were being saved. Acts chapter three, we get Peter and John on their way to the temple to pray as was the custom. And we know what happens, that they see a lame man by the gate called beautiful. And they say, silver and gold, we have none, but such as we have, we give unto thee. We're thinking, man, this is it. This is the vision coming to pass. We're seeing it. I mean, souls are being added. We're continuing steadfastly in the teaching. These people are hungry and want to know more. We're corporately coming together. We're individually coming together. Man, and, and now we're seeing signs and wonders and miracles. But as a result of the addition, as a result of the signs and wonders, as the result of the boldness and the 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 Uh, sickness and disease being healed, Acts chapter four, verse one. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed. Your vision is gonna disturb some people. Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until, and that's not laying on of hands like we do in church. This is a different kind of laying on of hands. They've arrested them, put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. evening. And look at what it says in verse four. However, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So we, we added 3,000. As a result of adding and growing the church, we met some resistance, got arrested, and as a result of the resistance, we added 5,000 more. Now, I wonder what is on the other side of the resistance that you're seeing in your life today. I wonder what's on, side of the other, what's on the other side of the opposition you're facing. And all you see, all you see is the arrest. All you see is taken into custody. All you see is people telling you no. All you see is people leaving you. All you see is people coming against you. And God says, what's on the other side of that? You've got to have a vision that presses through. It's addition by subtraction. At the end of Acts chapter four, verse 23, it says, being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said. And so they have now, uh, uh, in this case, Peter and John were let go and they went back to their own people. And you would think in the 2023 version, they go back to their people and they would say, hey, uh, they've asked us to shut our doors. They've asked us not to preach in the name of Jesus. And don't act like this ain't happening because it's already happened. We've already seen the dress rehearsal. We've already seen uh, culture, society, government introduce Hey, uh, could y'all not meet 
Oh, you can shop wherever you want. You can go by the you can go by the liquor store and get all the alcohol you want. You could go in a bar and drink all you want. You could go to a strip club and watch all you want. But now all of a sudden the church is a dangerous place. I wonder if maybe there's another ploy here. Oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. You're, you just think they're all after you. No, no, no. I know the opposition the church is going to face, and even more so as the day draws near. And sure, they may dress it up, but really what they're using is they're using fear tactics. I had someone tell me that the next go around, they're not going to make you fearful of your life. They're going to make you fearful of your children's lives. Because if you don't care about your own life, you sure care about your kids' lives. Was it an intentional, purposeful, look, you know, behind uh, or in the mind and the heart of every lawmaker, I can't make that judgment, I can't make that call. But I know what's behind. I know the spirit that is operating behind it. And every time we say yes and give in and compromise and bend, they're gonna go a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. Yes, even in this country. When you've got a vision, you have to have some resolve. You have to know what you were assigned to do and the, the, those that object, those that resist, those that pursue uh, in opposition against you, you're gonna have to at some point stand up and say, no, I know what I'm here to do. I know what my assignment is and, and I'm not gonna allow you to move. If, if you don't want it, that's fine, but I'm not bending to your will. We stay under the will of the Father. They said to, to, to listen to you or to obey God, you do what you gotta do. We're gonna keep preaching in the name of Jesus. And they go back to their companions and they let them know what took place. But if you get on down here further in um, verse uh, verse four, verse 29. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word, verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We've identified this before, but they are asking for the same thing that just got them in trouble. It was their boldness and the signs and wonders that got them in this mess in the first place. You want to know if you're ate up with vision? You want to know if the vision has taken over in your life? Meet some resistance. Enter into a crisis mode and watch how you respond. And you'll find out real quick if you have vision in your life. If vision is the main key. If vision is the most important. If vision is what's driving your life. Because vision is not easily bent. Vision is not easily killed. Vision is not easily destroyed. Vision is not easily blurred. When you start walking and living by a vision, they said, no, 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 we've got a vision for this church, for this assignment, for, for growing this mission, for, glow, for, for growing this ministry, what Jesus has called. He told us 
What, what does it profit a man? If you save your life but lose your soul. He warned us. He said, take up your cross. He let us know these things were going to happen and these things were going were, were to come. He, he, he let us know that there were uh, those that were going to disagree and oppose and try to shut down what we're doing. And they show an amazing resolve in the face of even losing their own life. It says in verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, I thought they were filled with the Holy Spirit earlier at the beginning of Acts chapter two. Apparently there's a need to be refilled in the Holy Spirit. Apparently there's a continual filling of the Holy Spirit that needs to take place in our lives. Most of our prayer meetings, when opposition shows up, is we start calling down fire from heaven. We start, we, we, we start uh, um, you know, banding together and, and trying to find ways to appease the crowd trying to find ways to simplify what we do. Don't make so much noise. Don't draw so much attention. And they said, give us more boldness. More signs. More wonders. Notice that the subtraction only increased or added to their desire to see the vision come to pass. And we should have the same response. Every resistance that you meet should only cause you to dig your heels in the ground even further. Say, you thought, you thought I was here before? Oh, you wait. I'm even more. I'm even more passionate about what God has called me to do. What if every resistance had the opposite effect in your life? That what? came against your life to try to shut down the vision and try to shut down your, your purpose and your destiny actually only caused you to be spurred on toward fulfilling it even more than you were before. That's exactly what happened. In Acts chapter five. In Acts chapter 5, um, in verse 5, this is a story. I'll tell you, if this kind of stuff happened in church more often, some of y'all already know where we're going. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They sell a piece of property, and they told the Lord. They didn't even tell anybody. They told the Lord, we're going to give a certain amount. But they went to church and told the apostles, we're only going to do this amount. And in verse 5, Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last breath. So great fear, everyone say fear, came upon all those who heard these things. These words are going to come back, and they're going to make a lot of sense here in the end. Great fear. So the guy died in front of everybody during offering time. I mean, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. 
Can't pull a fast one on God now, can we? And the young men arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. It was about three hours later, his wife comes in, not knowing what had happened. They didn't even let her know. Your husband died during offering time today. Peter answered, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband, and great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Now you want to talk about subtraction. We just lost two members today. We just did offering and a funeral at the same time. It's not a great combination. You would think that this would negatively affect the church. You would think that for sure, this ain't working. For sure, this, ain't, this thing ain't growing. I mean, how many of you coming back next Sunday? You'll tell me you're coming back, and it's like, yeah, you know, we're going to shop around a little bit. That's an interesting service. But the next verse, verse 12 says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord. This was actually a great unifying, had a great unifying effect upon the church, apparently. It actually unified them and brought them together. And it allowed for more signs and wonders to operate in the church. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added. Everyone say added. To the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. By the way, just a little side note on that. Before Jesus died on the cross, they only counted men. And now after the blood of Jesus is shed, the spirit of the Lord has been poured out upon all flesh. Now we're counting men and women. We've just restored the value to every person on the planet, regardless of who you are. So just wanted to share that, you know, if you don't like women preachers, there's an exit, there's an exit. Because we value and we believe in every gift, every member of the body, every person that God has installed, amen? And if you wanna read a Bible, then take God out of context and say that he's only doing certain things with certain genders, then you've missed the heart of God altogether. Amen? Okay. Hey, nobody dying during offering, so don't look at me like that. <laughs> no, it says that multitudes of men and women increased. Verse 15 says, they brought the sick out into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Them dying during offering time spurred a revival. I'm here to tell you that if you've got vision, Resistance may come, but it doesn't have to stop you. 
Revision, uh, 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 vision uh, is going to bring resistance, but you can keep driving on. You can keep pressing forward. You can continue to see the purpose and the plans of God fulfilled in and through your lives. Amen. Okay. Go to Acts chapter nine. Now they're about to see some of the greatest resistance they've ever seen. You see, this is mounting. You see, this opposition's getting worse. And in Acts chapter eight, uh, uh, you know, in fact, Acts chapter seven, we've got Stephen the martyr. They've actually now taken one of the first disciples. There are actually uh, many other, actually, where I get ahead of myself? I need Acts chapter six. That's what I need. Go back to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. In these days, now in these days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, everyone say multiplying. Notice now we've gone from adding to multiplying. I'm telling you, it only gets better. If you will stay with God, it only gets better. If you'll stay with the purpose of God and not be moved by what comes against you, what challenges you and what opposes you, just stay with the vision of God. Forget about who's leaving and who's going. Forget about who's there and who's not. Forget about uh, if the money's there or not. Forget about if you feel called or not. Forget about if you're up or down and just drive on with the vision that God has called. Now they're being multiplied, but watch this. As the disciples are multiplying, so are the complaints. (laughs) The disciples multiplied, the complaining multiplied. We increase in disciples, we we increase in complaints. No matter what the resistance is. And I'll tell you right now, you pursue the vision of God, you'll find plenty of even justifiable reasons to complain. Credible reasons. When people start reasoning, They usually have a good reason, naturally speaking. I mean, we talked about Numbers 33 last week. We talked about the Israelites as they're going through the wilderness. They come up on the promised land. They spy out the promised land. And they come back with the report that it's a land flowing with milk and honey. They come back with a cluster of grapes so big they had to carry it on two poles between two grown men. But they also came back with reports of a fortified city. They came back with the report of giants in the land. They came back with the report of how vast and large it was. They came back with all these reports negatively. And you know what? They had good reason to say, man, this ain't for us. Just naturally speaking, this is not a good idea. For the welfare of our own people, for the welfare of our kids, for the welfare of our wives. They said, we we shouldn't go into that land. We're just grasshoppers. And of course, Joshua and Caleb spoke up and said, no, we are well able to take the land. And no matter, as you pursue and press, and man, the, the Lord gave us this word last week that said they had no problem with the vision until they actually laid eyes on it with their, with, with their own natural sight. 
Isn't that amazing? They believed in that miracle. They believed in that promised land for ages and ages, thousands of years. They believed that God could bring them in. They believed there was a land flowing with milk and honey. They believed that no matter what they come against, they can conquer it. They believed against slavery. They believed against Pharaoh and his army. They believed with the cloud by day and a fire by night. They believed going through a mighty Red Sea. They believed with water coming out of a rock and manna on the ground. They believed with birds feeding them dinner. But then they get in and they see what God has called them to conquer and take. And they said, "Mm, I don't know about that. And you'll always enter seasons in the addition, in the blessing. You know, we, we, we always have a concept idea. When you get a vision, when you get a dream, it sounds great in concept. Sounds great when he approaches you. And he says, I will make your name great. And through your children, I will bless you. And I'll give you a child and you will be a father of many nations. Sounds great in concept. It's not so great when you're 20 years in and nothing's happened. It's not so great when people are mocking you. Where's your God now? Didn't he say, I thought you were gonna. And then internally you start having those same questions. I thought by now I would. Even when the vision seems slow in coming, even when the resistance and the opposition comes, what's your resolve? What's your internal response going to be? There arose a complaint. It's more, more challenges. But verse seven says this, then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. So we've got what? Multiplication of disciples, complaints arising, You press through that, you answer, you bring a solution. They bring seven men full of the spirit, full of faith, great reputation. You're gonna help us. We're gonna delegate these things to you. They they find a way to push through this to make the vision come to pass and it brings more multiplication. Well, guess what that multiplication brought? More challenges. More complaints. More problems, more persecutions. In Acts chapter seven, we have a persecution, like I was telling you, of Stephen, the martyr. And in that instance, there was a young man that all the uh, religious leaders were taking their coats off and putting them, laying them at his feet. That man's name was Saul. And now we're about to meet some of the greatest resistance the church has ever seen. This guy's going town to town, throwing them in jail, having them beaten, even killing some of them. Now they're literally seeing. And so now it's escalated. The persecutions have uh, have intensified. They've increased in activity and in nature. And now comes that desire to back away. Desire to, st- I don't know about this vision anymore. It's costing us too much. 
I, I don't know about pursuing this, this image that, that he gave us that we're pushing back darkness, that he gave us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about staying with us. I don't know about continuing to preach this message. It, it really seems to be right. Can we just back off a little? Can we just, can, can, can we just get into the background? Can we just get some space? Can we just get some relief? And then in Acts chapter nine, just to summarize it, we know that Paul or Saul ends up on a horse on his way to Damascus and Jesus stops him. Converts his life right there on the spot. And that man that was the greatest opposer and resister of the mission became the greatest advocate of the mission. What is on the other side of the resistance you're meeting? In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, this is the kicker. This is what we want to see. I said everything we said to get us to this point. Then the churches. Oh, now we're not just, see, and if you noticed earlier, it said uh, the Lord was adding to the brethren or to the believers. Now we're literally clarifying churches are being established. And now the churches, the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. Because they pushed through the greatest resistance they would ever see in the man named Saul. And it says this, and walking in the fear of the Lord. Did you notice how many times we read and fear came upon them and they were moved with fear? And fear. We weren't talking about fearful or being afraid. We were talking about awe of God. The fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They were what? Multiplied. Addition by subtraction equals multiplication. Now they're not just being added to. They're being exponentially added to. But it took resistance on every front. It took pushing through opposition. It wasn't, many of us would pray for less threats, less opposition, less problems. And they said, forget the resistance. Give us more boldness. Give us more signs and wonders. Give us a, a more of a doggedness and a tenacity, a more of a resolve to stick this thing out, to see this vision come to pass. I'm not laying down. I'm not giving in. I'm sticking this thing out. And if they can do that for their vision, you can do that for your vision too. Let's break these two things down. Number one, the fear of the Lord. Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord invites the instruction of the Lord. The fear of the Lord invites the instruction of the Lord, the wisdom necessary to carry out the vision. This is a key component to their ability to become resolved and stick with and press through the opposition and the resistance that they're meeting. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord doesn't push you away from the Father's heart. It endears you to the Father's heart. It brings you closer. 
into wonder, into awe, into looking at the face of God and saying, I am more equipped and I am more resolved to continue on with the mission at hand. It's the fear of the Lord. I wrote this down. It heightens your sensitivity to the heart and the values of the Lord. It heightens your sensitivity to the heart and values of the Lord. Why is that important? Because when you're being met with resistance, you're gonna have to go back and remember why you started in the first place. You're gonna have to go back and remember who called you in the first place. You're gonna have to go back and remind yourself of all the goodness, all the faithfulness, all the times he came through before, and it's only an image of what he's gonna do, but what he's gonna do next. It's the fear of the Lord. Lastly, number two, it says the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Remember that Jesus told them, go and wait. Terry, do not go anywhere. Do not do anything until you receive the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That word comfort there uh, in that passage is actually the word paraclete. Comfort of the Holy Spirit is this word, paraclete. It means this, to come alongside. To come alongside. It means a strengthening presence. A strengthening presence. One who upholds for those appealing for assistance. One who upholds for those appealing for assistance. Guys, if you come, worship team, if you come, you recognize in Acts chapter two, he said, don't go do ministry. Do not do anything without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. And they go out, they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They go out, they demonstrate, they do the works, they do the signs and wonders. And then Acts chapter four shows up, they get arrested. And what do they ask for in Acts chapter four? Boldness and more signs and wonders. And what does it say came upon them? And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What was that? It was a strengthening presence. It was an upholding for those who were appealing for assistance. It was a coming alongside. You need the paraclete. You need the Holy Spirit. In moments of resistance, you're gonna have to get into the fear of the Lord. God, you called me. I'm not backing away. You assigned this vision to me. I'm becoming more dogged. Now give me the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fall afresh on me is what he's saying because I received it back two chapters ago, but I need the Holy Spirit again today because there's more challenges. There's more trials. There's more resistance coming. There's more opposition ahead, but I want to fulfill the vision in completion, in totality. I don't want to give in. I don't want to give up. Spirit of God, fall fresh. Fall fresh. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. 
There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.